Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we are quickly winding down Pastor Jim's expository preaching through the entire book of Revelation. Chapter 21 is our focus this week, and it's a great relief from the final judgment of chapter 20, where we saw all who rejected Christ and his provision for reconciliation with God forever sent to the lake of fire. History for the created universe has taken its course and is winding down. God's redemptive plan has been fully played out, and he has maintained control of every single detail ever since the beginning. This chapter serves as a great contrast to the judgment of the end of chapter 20, opening with a new heaven and a new earth. What is that, and what does it mean? Well, here is today's slice of the message entitled, New Heaven and New Earth. God created it from nothing, ex nihilo. God spoke it into existence. There's coming a really big bang, and it will destroy everything that God spoke into existence in this entire universe, and then he will unveil the new heaven and the new earth, completely new in any way. Now, there's something really interesting here. It also says, there is no longer any sea. Now, you might glide right over that, or you might stop and say, hmm, why is that there? Well, that says a lot more than it might at first sound like. Think about it. In this world, three-fourths of the earth's surface is water. And the hydrological system of the earth is crucial to everything we consider normal. The rain, the evaporation, the earth absorbing the rain, the runoff, the snow, the snow melt, all of those things, the 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 earth, uh, the, the water being salty and the seas fresh on the land, all of that is absolutely essential to life as we know it. No longer, though, will the environment de- be dependent on oceans and a water cycle. There's going to be one river we know of in the new heaven and new earth. We'll see it next week, but it'll be a kind of living completely different. In other words, all new. Verse 2, here comes the centerpiece of this new heaven and new earth. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, same word, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. Now this entire city, which is the centerpiece of the new heaven and new earth, is holy or it is set apart to God for his use and for his glory according to his plan. It's also new. It is unprecedented. It's completely different from anything ever seen or conceived in this world. Now, there's an opportunity here for some confusion because of using the word bride to describe this city. The bride of Christ that we saw back in chapter 19, verse 7, that's the church. In this case, it simply says that this new city is something incredibly special to behold 
as or like or similar to a bride adorned for her husband. I said it when we were talking about the bride of Christ. When I, when I do weddings, uh, one of my hobbies is to keep my eye on the groom. First of all, make sure he doesn't do something embarrassing to himself or whatever. But I like to watch him when the back door opens. There's a look on a young man's face that is never duplicated any other time. To see his bride, even if he's seen the dress, even if he's seen her before the ceremony, which I do recommend, it's a stupid tradition not to do that, even no matter what has happened, when he sees his bride, he lights up. And what John is saying, he's taking that analogy and he is saying, you have never seen anything like the new Jerusalem which is the centerpiece of the new heaven and the new earth. We are going to be excited to see this city coming down from heaven as a groom would be when he sees his bride coming down the aisle. Now, as soon as he sees this spectacular city, John starts hearing some dramatic announcements about it, and all these things have to do with the newness of the city. Follow along, verses 3 through 8. John says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he shall dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them, and he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall no longer be any death, there shall no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things, there's the word again, new. And he said, apparently John forgot to keep writing, he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts, From the spring of the water of life without cost, he who overcomes shall inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone which is the second death. Now there, embedded in that, is a thumbnail sketch of the characteristics of heaven and this new Jerusalem. Number one, it will be the dwelling place of God with men. The word tabernacle means dwelling place. Uh, In the essence of it, the essence of what is so spectacular about this place is that it is God dwelling with men. No priests, no priesthood, no sacrifices, no temple. It is just God and man in complete unhindered fellowship. And that is possible only because God made it possible by sending His only Son to die in our place so that we can have our sins forgiven, we can be spared the lake of fire, which is the second death, and we can enter the presence of a holy God. Second thing this tells you is that the old experiences that we associate with living in this world are 
completely excluded from this place. Just ponder the list in verses 4 and 5 of all the things you will never have to deal with in heaven. It says, He shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. It was interesting, he put that in the singular. Each and every one, not one single tear will ever be shed in heaven. Sorrow, regret, remorse, second-guessing, unknown in heaven. Then he says, there shall no longer be any death. Why? Because death is the result of sin, and there shall be no more sin and no more consequences of sin. Do you remember back in chapter 20, verse 14, from last week, it says, death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. And he says, there shall no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. Mourning, crying, pain are also impossible without sin. The reason you can be comforted in this world is that you look forward to a completely new world with God. And he summarizes it by saying the first things have passed away. This current world contains all of these first things, all of which were cursed when Adam rebelled and took us with him into a world turned upside down through sin. Then comes the contrast from these old things. Third announcement here is that God says, Behold, I am making all things new. Once he got John jump-started to keep writing again, he, he gives you an idea of what are these new things. Well, they include complete satisfaction. All sorrow will be gone forever. No remorse, no regrets, no tears, because there's no more death and no more sin, because those things are part of this fallen world, the first things, which will be destroyed and replaced. This is going to be the full inheritance. All the fullness of everything God has ever promised will be yours without limit. Complete inheritance. Everything, it's yours. And full fellowship. He says, I will be his God and he will be my son. Now, I'm sure the politically correct crowd wants to find some other way to translate it other than saying he will be my son because they don't like anything that's gender specific, but that has very significant meaning in the historical context in which it was written. That means all the blessings of sonship, which is your full inheritance and your complete satisfaction and your unhindered fellowship with God. And finally, he says that certain people are going to be excluded from this place. Verse 8 describes them, and all of the people who are described by those eight traits in verse 8 won't be there. Now, notice it doesn't say those who have ever done any of these things won't be there, or none of us would be there, right? It refers to those who are accurately described by those things. I'll come back to that list at the end. But just a quick thought. A person who has ever told a lie isn't necessarily a person whom you can describe as a liar. A person who has ever done anything immoral is not necessarily a person that you can describe as an immoral person. 
We're all sinners, and we who have trusted Christ are the ones who have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our inheritance. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.